every Thursday, the coolest place to be on the internet is YouTube, and not for trailers of Marvel movies that don't exist made by Den of Geek, but for <laughs> soda discussions. The weekly soda pop review and discussion video produced, directed, edited, and everything by Jimmy and starring your hosts, Jeff and Dan from yeah, Me Into. that's us. We're from the show you're listening to right now. And we're trying to make you watch another show of ours. Yeah. It's really good. It's humorous. It's informational. It's insightful. It's It's so delightful. It's soda pop. And the taste of the fizz is on my tongue. (laughs) You're tonic. I don't know what I'm doing. So, this is a movie that you guys will like. I thought it was okay. Oh, baby, that was good. I am stupid. <laughs> I like to cook slop. Do you want to top that slop? Thought we were going to have fun here. Yes, queen. Down with guilty pleasures, up with pleasure pleasures. Did we talk you into... Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This week, it's the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. My name's Dan, and I'm a second-generation champion drip castle builder. My name is Jimmy, and I used to call cashews moon nuts. (laughs) My name is Jeff, and I've never had gooey duck. Oh, you're missing out, buddy. Yeah, I can't... I only know about that because of the episode of Dirty Jobs about it. I maybe I have like in a meal or tasting somewhere, but I never remember saying I will have gooey duck, please, or see it on a menu or somebody say like, here it is. You Um, probably haven't because I feel like we have similar culinary backgrounds and I had not had it until I went out to Seattle and Portland. Right. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot bigger out there, but like I've had all the other shellfish scallops yeah. clams oysters clams and cockles you know had it it's all pretty, it's pretty unique the only thing i would compare it to is like um it no, i scallop-y. just forgot the word damn it it was on my it was on my tip of my tongue and then you said cockle and that's all i could think about <laughs> <laughs> oh abalone it's the only thing i can compare it to is like abalone have you ever had that yes i have so it's okay. like that you know how it's like so um firm that it's almost like crisp when you bite into it really yeah that's what that's what raw gooey duck is like sliced super thin but it's very like you could tell that if you just ate a chunk of it it would be super chewy they look like yeah that's why you (laughs) that's why (laughs) that's why you have to cut them like really thin yeah Um, yeah. but yeah oh what, what dan what the hell did you say something about drip drip castles yeah you guys don't know what those are castle should i yes. google it jimmy knows what is it jim it's because you guys are part of the you're, same weird family you're talking about like sandcastles right yeah do yeah well they used to be <laughs> aaron from game Grumps calls them poopy castles because <laughs> you basically like pull them up or whatever oh, and then you yeah. just make them look like drippy but yeah, yeah in my exactly family you're talking about when i was a kid my dad taught me how to make these that's why i'm a second generation champion <laughs> he's a champion yeah. um <laughs> There's the traditional sand castle where you load in the sand into the buckets and you mold them and unmold them. Right. 
but then there's drip castles which is where you got to find the perfect consistency wet sand like right where the yeah. water is coming in and you scoop it up and then you run to the further up the beach and you let it drip through your fingers until it makes like you know piles and you get them taller and taller then you can create like like little uh towers next to it and like little walkways and bridges and moats and stuff it's pretty awesome yeah i'm on google image search and i found one where they wrote in the sand 2022 so within the last three weeks somebody made a drip castle and google's (laughs) algorithm was like i will boost this as far up as awesome (laughs) that's sick you can make little spires and stuff yeah yeah, i don't know how they even like maintain structural integrity because it's just mud well, yeah, but some of this looks like there's arches and shit. Mud is heavy. How does yeah, just mud? Yeah, I'm not mud... that good. Yeah, it's so you're not a real champion. You're a champion amongst losers and posers. In my family, when you know how to do anything, you just describe yourself as a champion or like an award winning. That's correct. That's you with marshmallows. Yeah, well, I did win a championship in marshmallow <laughs> roasting. In our family. I, I'm still award winning, Jim. <laughs> Congrats, Dan. We love you fake it till you make it i always tell people like when they're joking around about that i'm not a good singer i'm like i've actually been paid to sing therefore i'm a professional singer yeah uh i tell people that i've i've sang in orchard dome that's usually my like go-to i thought you, you know, said so. orchard dome and i was like you sang inside a big bubble with like trees that produce fruits yeah freaking love orchard domes This is a segment where we're trying to talk ourselves into things. It is uh, so always third word you messed it up. I'm so glad I threw it to you, Jim. You always do. Uh, yeah, this is our segment where we're uh, talking about things that we've been doing for the past uh, however long. Uh, this week, I have been talking myself into the video game Wordle. Do you guys know about this phenomenon? Yes, because it is also my talking myself into this week. (laughs) Hell yeah. That's funny. Um, You guys are so trendy. Yeah, Yeah. we're very trendy. I mean, it's it's fun. By the time this airs, everyone will be like, ew, Wordle. It's been going for weeks, man. I just, months, yeah. I played it in the car with my wife. I'm trying to get her into it. And we solved the word in four. And it was fun. I've been playing it with my partner and we've been really, really enjoying it. There you go. um, Mentioning them again, Jim. Uh, whatever it's fine we're good um <laughs> it's it's been a lot of fun like uh it's I love fun that. to like post to like discords and stuff and uh we've been enjoying it jimmy's so secretive and that now he's confident to mention them mention his partner on the podcast that what if he was just like it's fine we're already married guys it's gonna be fine <laughs> <laughs> that'd be funny um, yeah no i mean dan like you shit on it and yes it's trendy and you want to be counterculture whatever you are but it's <laughs> no i just it's, it's not even everybody that. gets the same word so it's fun to see how right. other people solve it and that's the point of it really like i'll show my wife i'm like oh yeah i guess this because that and then this and like it's not this word because of this reason i don't know it's just it, it's a fun five to ten minute thing that takes up your day so yep. here's the thing it's like it's for me, the problem isn't the content at all. It's that I don't have the energy to learn a new thing. And I was <laughs> on the fence. Thing. 30, dude, you literally took a poop that was seven times longer than it takes you to play Wordle while I just don't want to. I'm happy with the games I'm playing. Why is society forcing me to play a new game? Because it's very much in the cultural zeitgeist, I know. Daniel. 
talk me into you're the king of the zeitgeist i'm sure i'll play it next week and by the time i get into it you guys will be done no. no, I mean, it's it's pretty. So I accidentally downloaded like some knockoff thing. And when I shared the results, somebody I work with was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, like, that's, like, not that's not Wordle. Not but I confirmed that they're different words. So now I can play two words a day. <laughs> Take that. Cool. Nice. So that was Jeff and Jimmy. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know if I was going to. I had two <laughs> more on the. I didn't know which one I was going to pick. So Jimmy picked it for me. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, well, I'm talking myself into something that's very on-brand for me, which is a new podcast from Joanna Robinson. <laughs> we love it, Dan. You love we to see love it. You. Joanna yeah. Robinson recently left her job at Vanity Fair and has gone to The Ringer, where she is featured on a new podcast. Um, they have like a group podcast feed called The Ringerverse, where there's a couple different shows. I, I got Wait, into... Jeff, can we try and guess what the ringer is um what johnny knoxville vehicle i was thinking like a podcast about uh wrestling no i've heard it before it's just like a generic entertainment i've never heard of it you never heard of the ringer they're a huge podcast company primarily rooted in like um sports podcasts. that's like where they got their start okay i'm trying to think of the guy who owns that company he's like a big big guy um big big guy bill something (laughs) What else? Check. No, that's not him. But anyways, Rangers. so I got into the Ringer podcast um, because Joanna Robinson. She has a new show called The House of R. Uh, that the name is possibly going to change. But anyways, they do deep dives into nerd culture stuff. Uh, they did. Um, they did Hawkeye, and now they're on Book of Boba Fett. It's really good. Two that, stickers. If, if you're shut up, Jeff. If you're like really like obsessive about every detail, this is the show for you because they take a half an hour TV show and make a two and a half hour podcast about it each episode. You just talked to me out of ever listening to that podcast. It's so (laughs) good. Two of the most boring shows in their respective universes expanded. No, thanks. You're so hateful. I'm not. The show is the the House of R covers everything. This happens to be the shows that they're covering now, and they're okay, also not well, gushing they, over them. They they're very critical. Anyways, who knows what they'll do next? But because I started listening to that, I started listening to the other shows on um, that feed. Primarily, there's a group called the Midnight Boys, which may be more up Jeff's alley because it's a little bit less in depth. It's more for like hot takes. They're called, they're aptly titled the midnight boys because they release them like right after the episode or the movie or whatever. Sure. So it's like sort of like first gut reactions without a lot of research. And then I also started listening to um, the prestige TV podcast, which is currently (laughs) covering um, hosted by Dan Mueller. I wish. (laughs) I wish it was me and Joanna Robinson. Dan's like, I'm talking myself into 75 hours of entertainment this week, but I can't play Wordle. That takes three minutes while taking a shit that I'm not doing anything else. I didn't say I can't play Wordle. I said I didn't want to, but I listen to these shows while I'm at work. (laughs) They're currently covering a few different shows. They're covering Ozark, Yellow Jackets, and I'm I'm not listening to them because I'm not watching those shows, but I'm listening to their Euphoria coverage, and this is... This is a lot more reasonable. It's like a like a one hour episode. It's, it's very I heard good. that the new season's kind of boring. Is that true? I haven't started yet. They're only two episodes in. I really enjoyed them. Episode one ends with a big, huge thing. 
I heard that the specials were very boring and season two is not that great. Well, the specials are a little bit boring. I love them because they're like two-hander plays. It's just like two characters talking to each other. Um, oh, yeah. I could see why people don't like it then. Yeah, but I mean, if you're into like dramatic dialogue and just like, what do they call it when like a person gives a long speech? Gym? Monologue. Thank Monologues. you. Monologues. It's great. Soliloquy. Solipsism. By the way, Bill Simmons is the guy who runs The Ringer. He's like a sports uh, yes. guy. Yeah, Bill Simmons. A name that I have no clue for. But yeah, if you're looking for some TV podcasts, check out The Ringer. For years, my viewing of the Golden Globes and the Emmys were plagued by the haunting of a television show that won every award that I didn't watch. (laughs) It had a very frivolous name that I found obnoxiously sweet and humorous. It was called The Marvelous Mrs. Mrs. Maisel. (laughs) You asshole. (laughs) I stole your thunder. You planned it. I could could just cut Jeff's part out. It's fine, Dan. No, just leave it. It, It's fun. It's fine. (laughs) We're fine. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a show. Oh, by the way, I eventually watched it and it's great. It's fantastic. I love it. I'm going to talk you into it. Uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a show on Amazon Prime about Miriam Midge Maisel, a New York housewife who discovers she has a knack for stand-up comedy. That is from Wikipedia, but they did a good job describing it. It's run for three seasons so far. It's very much in the cultural zeitgeist because it's coming back for season four. Guys, what is your exposure before I dive a little bit deeper? What do you know about The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Obviously not the title. Every Everything you said up until the point where you watched it. All I know is that it's about you know, a, a female stand-up comedian in like the 50s or 60s and that it's on Amazon and that it's very well regarded critically. And that it stars Rachel Brosnahan of House of Cards, which is where I know her from. And that's literally it. And she's like Joan Rivers or something. I don't know how accurate that is. That might just be me making things up in my head. No, you're pretty close. We'll get to that. Jim, what do you know? Uh, I've seen it. Well, I've seen bits of it at least. And um, wasn't in love with it. So I'm interested to see how this episode goes. (laughs) So Dan, when uh, we were in between recording episodes you had uh, stepped away from the microphone for a little bit and jimmy told me this and i was like jim do you think that when we were planning and scheduling uh multiple times when dan was like this we need to record this episode you know you would have mentioned that you've seen it and don't like it because maybe we could have structured this differently or maybe not even done the episode so dan i think you're just talking me into it because jimmy hates it i don't I know if jimmy I had only it. seen like one episode no i've seen a lot of it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, Jim. Very, I very guess, dumb on Jim's part. I guess I'm just going to ask you to remain neutral unless you're talked into it. Like, I mean, unless you want to try to battle me to convince the soul of Jeff, whether it's good <laughs> or bad. That would be very, Let's do that. Let's make it a battle. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, I, I kind of do feel neutral on it. I mean, like from what I've seen, it, it seems okay. But it's just not really anything that I'm like, oh, yeah, I really want to watch that. Like, I just I have other things that I'd rather watch. 
Okay, well, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and why I think Jeff and maybe Jimmy would like it. Um, so stupid. I hate this show so much. <laughs> Talk me into it, I mean. It was created by uh, Amy Sherman Palladino, who um, has worked on Gilmore Girls. I guess that's what she was most known for before this, but um, it's okay. loosely based on two things. Uh, well, I'm just saying she was a showrunner already. It's not like she came right, out of nowhere. Yeah. It's loosely based on her experience with her father, who was like a wannabe stand-up comedian and like his stories of what it was like coming up in the 60s and stuff, but also um, the life of Joan Rivers and um, some other female comedians of the time that I'm not as familiar with. But um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting look. We're, we're all fans of stand-up comedy. I think we know mm -hmm. an average amount about the history of stand-up comedy, especially New York comedy and, and like that whole vibe and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting twist on that by setting it with a female lead who's trying to juggle being a wife and a mother with this passion that she has for stand-up comedy. I'm going to give you guys a few episodes to watch, but over the course of the first arc of the first season is her coming to terms with that. Initially, it wasn't her dream. We, when we meet Mrs. Maisel, she's not out there trying to become a comedian. We have to watch her discover that in herself. So yeah, uh, as you reference, it's very well critically acclaimed. They've won Golden Globes. They've won Emmys. They've won all kinds of awards for best acting, best directing, best writing, all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of great character actors in this. Alex Borstein shows up early and becomes a main character. Um, Tony Shalhoub plays her father. Kevin Pollack plays her father-in-law. Jane Lynch shows up later in the first season, maybe in season two. Um, it's just really well done. Uh, a lot of what I describe this to people as is imagine like it feels like it exists in the world of Mad Men. But instead of like focusing on stuffy, angry advertising men, it's focused on like a funny wife who wants to become a comedian. But it's very well written, well acted. Set design is on point. Costuming is incredible. So I think it holds up both as a piece of comedy and as a piece as a period piece. So, uh, yeah, season four is dropping when this episode airs. Everyone is excited for it. If you're a fan of the show, we've been waiting since 2019 for new episodes. Thank you. Dan, guys I just have it. there's the only issue I have. Everything you said sounds great, except the only issue I have is that you do know that women are not funny, correct? Yeah, I know. I have a, a uphill that's, battle with Jeff because he's like yeah. incredibly misogynistic. <laughs> yeah, oh, and anytime sure. I prevent him a show with a female lead, he automatically dislikes it. No, I see. I was making a joke at Incel saying women aren't funny. And there's actually yeah. a documentary called Women Aren't Funny with funny women who are being funny. So, yeah. yeah. Also, you it's are an joke. incel. So that's like a really meta. No, I'm voluntarily celibate. I, I am self-castrated. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, guys, we're going to watch some episodes of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, they're in the show notes. Jim, we'll get a little bit more into your history with the show in the second half. I don't really want you to spoil Jeff's vision of it by, like, tackling what you did, did and didn't like. I want to hear that in the second half. That's okay with you. That's fine with me. I mean, it was like five years ago. It's possible that my opinions have changed. So uh, we'll see. You're still talking me into it. All right. I like it. Keep an open mind. When we come back, we're going to be spoiling some episodes. Bye. I hope I don't actually accidentally watch the fabulous Ms. May since. <laughs>
call that a Maisel? It's the Marvelous Miss Maisel. Everybody, we watched three episodes. Is that how Jeff? Oh, that was a Jewish joke. I understand that. Yeah, this is a very Jewish television program. It is. And not not just Jewish, like New York Jewish. 1960s, Mm. too. Yes. Jeff. Dan, you picked three episodes for us to watch, the first three. I did, indeed. You didn't say, watch episode two, one, and then three. You said That would have been really wacky. Technically, you didn't give us direction. You just said the first three episodes. I could have watched them backwards. Mm. Mm. That would have been very confusing. I'd be like, who's Lenny Bruce? (laughs) Yeah, that's... But just kidding. I know who he is. Yeah, this show is like alternate history, kind of, right? Mm. Like, maybe not quite alternate history, but, you know, you have these made-up characters, but then you have Lenny Bruce show up, who I believe is the only real person in this show. So far, yeah. At least so, so far, we've seen. Yeah, yeah like we, we I, see, we see Gilbert Gottfried, but he's just an announcer, a generic, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bruce. Um, yeah. some of the locations are real too. The Gaslight Cafe was a real yeah. club in the village. Mm. Um, but yeah. So let's. I mean, let's just make our way through these episodes. We we meet um Midge Miriam Maisel. Uh, the show opens up at a, in a flashback to her wedding. And uh, I love that she's like, not many brides give a speech at their own wedding, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see that. Oh, she's self-aware. Oh, yeah. She's self-aware. She knows that she likes to be the center of attention. She knows that she likes to get laughs. Her speech is pretty great. Doing some crowd work with her own dad. Yep. And <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I mean, this, this culminates in uh, you get a little bit of her history, just like, you know. They're kind of wealthy, you know, they're not super rich, but they have money. She went to a college, blah, 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 blah. And then they end with her saying in front of a large uh, Jewish audience, there's a lot of rabbis and holy men that <laughs> egg rolls have shrimp in them, which is very <laughs> funny. Cause and they elicits, freak out. Unless it's a very uh, emotional response. <laughs> and then she just looks at her husband and they kind of smile at each other. And I was like, yeah, that's, that'll a, happen. that's a good marriage. Spoiler alert. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love this opening sequence because not only does it do a lot of character work, it also becomes plot work because, you know, most sitcoms, that would be like a throwaway joke. Like, oh, they serve shrimp and everyone got upset. But this show is so well written that when we get into the meat of the first episode, we find out that for the last six years, they've been trying to win back the praise of the rabbi because of that incident. And mm-hmm. they're finally having him over for, is it Passover Seder? Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. Yeah. Breaking yeah. of the fast meal. So the light in the life of an Upper West Side 1960s Jewish housewife having the rabbi over for Yom Kippur breakfast is the social highlight of the year. <laughs> that is a big deal in Midge's life. But what else is going on in Midge's life is that she is trying to support her husband on his quest to be the most mediocre comedian ever. Yes. Who is Damien from Rescue Me. Yeah. Oh. I forget who yep. that actor is, but uh, what'd you guys think of Joel Maisel? Joel Maisel. I kept on is... thinking that he looked like a um, knockoff uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I kept thinking about whenever I saw him. Yeah, you. I mean, so 
what we're introduced to is he is a very high position at a company, but he kind of seems incompetent. We don't find out why he has that high position until second episode. Spoiler alert, his dad got it for him. But yep. he, he works for his uncle's company. Yeah, he, he makes good money, but he, he's not passionate about it. So he wants to be a comedian. You know, stand-up comedy is uh, an up-and-coming thing. Like, there's famous comedians at this point in history, obviously. But um, he, he wants to be, like, one of those beatnik comedians. And he has Midge's full support. And she's doing it because she just thinks it's a hobby and it's fun to do, which is talk me into. It's just a fun thing to do. And we're never going to get anywhere with it, but we still do it <laughs> and risk our marriages for it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's Jeff's. Yeah, I, I like this talk me into allegory or metaphor because I can continue that and say that even though she knows or she believes that it is just for fun, she is the Dan of the podcast because she's a type A personality who will work her ass off taking notes and comparing and contrasting how many laughs he gets to try to be the best. And what Joel misconstrues is that he thinks that she's doing this because she also wants him to become a professional comedian. Uh, however, it becomes pretty clear uh, that that's not going to happen because all he's doing is reciting Bob Newhart's act with act. Yeah. So which to him me that when we is get fine. record every week, I'm just reciting Bob Newhart jokes from the Newhart show. Yes. No, I didn't say you guys were the Joel. I just said that Midge is the Dan. Uh, well, I mean, you're both cute. Thank you. You both have <laughs> great boobs, too. <laughs> Those yeah. are some great New York boobs. But uh, yeah, I mean. I got an overall impression, even early, even in this first episode, that Joel is kind of a scumbag. We see that Midge is going so far above and beyond to just, like, be the best wife supporting this guy. Like, what she has to go through. Yeah, she makes a whole brisket to try to get him a better set time, which works, but is also, like, really (laughs) pathetic. We see later that Susie calls her out on this, but or really calls Joel out on this, but she also, like, takes a cab to his office to pick him up brings him his sweater he like does nothing but bitch and complain about everything that's wrong oh there's a hole in my sweater oh you're five minutes late like this poor woman has been slaving over a brisket all day she's gotten her parents to babysit the kids she's picked you up in a cab like what more do you want and she spends all night out with him and i love at the end of this episode um, when we see, or I guess it's in the midpoint, they get back from the gig. And if you really want to know how crazy women were back then for, well, how men made women crazy. She's been married to this man for six years. She's been with him for even longer. And she still goes to bed with full hair and makeup acting like that's how she really goes to sleep. She waits for him to fall asleep. Then she goes in the bathroom and washes her face, puts her hair up in curlers, puts her cold cream on. What did you guys think of this relationship between them? I mean, yeah, I mean, it was clear that nothing was going to be working out (laughs) from the very beginning of this episode. I mean, that that scene in particular really sets the tone for sexism just in culture and that uh, class level of that time period. Also, like, of course, there's sexism and it's the patriarchy, but she well they have not even broken through that in their six-year relationship there's no level of comfort or trust between them yeah definitely um 
where are we going after this? So basically, um, we're going back and forth to the gaslight because um, Joel wants to, obviously, as we were talking about before, he wants to make it big as a comedian. And um, Midge basically tells him, like, hey, why don't you say something about your sweater? Like, haha, it has holes in it. He's like, you should make a joke about that. And he was like, and he was just kind of like putting it off. He's like, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But um, they get to the gaslight. They're there with their friends that are like expecting to see Joel go up there and like kill because he's been doing really well because he basically stole Bob Newhart's act. And um, it it's kind of like a push and go if he's going to go up or not. And um, eventually um, he gets to go up on stage and he's like, he's kind of like panicking because he wasn't expecting to go on. So he tries to say something about his sweater and like, he just keeps bombing from there on out. Yeah. I think and it, it's really uncomfortable. I think in hindsight, when they discuss it, um, Midge <laughs> has the greatest line, which is that he's like, you told me to talk about my sweater. And she's like, yeah, but I thought you were going to say it funny. I thought you were going to make a joke out <laughs> yeah. of it. Um, he has no natural comedic chops. And the other thing that I love about this sequence is, uh, the reason why he goes up late is because the usual manager of the gaslight who they bribe with brisket and lockers is not there. And, uh, this is really like the main introduction of Susie played by Alex Borstein. And, um, Susie is not a fan of Joel's. She sees right through his nice guy bullshit. She thinks it's pathetic that he sends his wife to go speak to the manager, um, and bribe them with food to get his set time changed. And mostly, she knows that he's a hack. Mm. What'd you guys think of Susie in these uh, first few scenes? Uh, she was fine uh, in this first episode. I don't, I mean, she was there. She's kind of just like, you know, she does this for a living. She sees all the hacks and all the good people. So she just knows that he's not a good act where, you know, uh, Midge might see that there's, some potential in his act. Susie doesn't. Susie knows it's Bob Newhart. She knows that he's he's a joke stealer, that he's just not good at delivery. And you know, it's an open mic. So it's not it's not like Susie's probably likes her job that much most of the time. Right. And she also sees that uh Midge is like basically doing everything for him too. Yeah, I, I also love that so like we don't know a lot about Susie, but we what we do know is that she's like frank and honest um her physical appearance in that time period is different uh she's not ultra feminine she's sort of presenting more masculine in her dress and the way she carries herself and yeah, joel keeps on saying that she's a guy exactly like they use that to show that joel's not a great person like he's punching down yeah. he keeps saying like who's that guy making that corny joke over and over again and midge will like correct him occasionally but yeah i thought that was an interesting sequence he just can't handle his emotions they have a big fight in the cab on the way home because he bombed and uh then we have a big scene in the house which i want to hear where your guys perspective when i watched this the first time and midge comes in the room and joel's packing i was shocked i did not think that we were at this point already yeah it did happen uh, yeah in I don't... the episode but or in the yeah. series but i'm glad it did just gets it out of the way. I don't want to watch five episodes of, you know, Joel bombing on stage. Right. But I uh, also kind of like, I, I, it's not that I expected it, but obviously it needed to happen because it needed to move the plot forward. Right. Like as also, long as she first, was at first, I was like, is he really having an affair? Or is that just his excuse to leave? Cause he's just like, mm -hmm. I'm having an affair. And yeah, I it. think 
So in retrospect, like after watching these episodes twice, my first thought was like, oh, it's really about the affair and he's using the negative emotion of the night to sort of propel him into this change that he feels like he needs. But in hindsight, I feel like it's kind of the opposite. I feel like mm-hmm. he's so emotionally charged and emasculated about bombing that, like Jeff said, he's using the f- the affair as a way to justify like it's hard when you feel um like shit to see that reflected in a loved one like a loss of respect or she went from thinking like he was this great up-and-coming comedian to now she's revealed to him or at least that's what he thought she felt and now he knows that the whole time she was just being nice and like that's very emasculating for him and he can't deal with that so he just like storms off and he's like oh by the way i'm having an affair right that's what i kind of took from it too um but yeah i mean this this whole scene obviously needed to propel because we needed to see her up on stage by the end of the episode right um but yeah so we we go uh to mitch's parents house because she's basically freaking out saying like hey joel just left me she's like i don't know what i'm gonna do and then uh midge's mother had a really great reaction where she's just like i don't even remember exactly what happened but she just like keeps storming off and her father keeps storming off and it was was very funny well first of all i don't just want to touch on this we can move past it but it does become a plot point later on is that midge's parents live uh, one floor above her so they're like right. next door neighbors up up and down neighbors so th- it's easy for her to just drop the kids off real quick or to go downstairs and vent or upstairs and uh basically like the mother's main reaction her first words out of her mouth which are incredibly fucked up she's like joel's leaving sorry, me. Jim. sorry jim yeah she's like joel's leaving me and her mother's like what did you do and that's yeah. like very much <laughs> the thought process of the time and uh midge's father who is played expertly by tony shalhoub like one of my favorite um like minor characters in this series uh his reaction is like go downstairs put your makeup on put on a dress find him and get him back yeah that was really messed up but also just it was probably the one point of this episode that i actually did laugh out loud of how ridiculous it was right yeah because that character that tony shalhoub plays it's weird because he is a piece of shit um and you're like oh he's bad but then he's like you're kind of rooting for him in some some scenes it's really strange because if that was a real person now they would be the biggest piece of they'd be like donald trump like just a a piece of no Now you're misreading him. He's a good person, but he's way colored by old fashioned ideas. So when you hear him talk about how a husband and a wife should relate, it's not even a 1960s. It's not even a 1950s ideal. It goes back so far to this old fashioned idea of like a woman needed a husband to literally protect her like the world would like she could not survive without a man in her life. And that's like where he's coming from. Also, so. We can we can blame feminists of the 1960s for making it impossible to live a normal life with one income. Am I right? <laughs> that's that's a joke. I would blame capitalism, but but sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, back then you needed pretty much one income to survive, and it's it's difficult back then for a single woman to get a job that will be able to support them. So I think they also see it there, like 
you know, he's like, well, I'm going to have to support you now. It's kind of, it is archaic, you know, just like how they would marry off rich people to other rich families to keep the money in the families. It's, yeah. you know. So what, Je- what Jimmy alluded to, uh, Midge does not appreciate the feedback from her parents. So the whole time she's been guzzling down wine with her mother and she's pretty buzzed. She takes the bottle of Manischewitz with her and she storms away. She just wants to get out of there. And she finds herself back at the gaslight where she storms on stage and basically vents to a crowd and gets some real laughs. Um, mm-hmm. And the set sort of culminates with her acknowledging like, hey, if you had a wife that looked as good as me, would you leave home? And then she says, well, you know, my face doesn't look that good because I've been crying. And, uh, you know, my my stomach doesn't look that good because I'm bloated from wine. So she covers up her face and her stomach and she's like, but look at these. Wouldn't you come home to these? And she rips her top off. And just then two of New York's finest bust in and drag her away for indecent exposure. Which is so I like this scene for a few reasons. One of them is boobs. The second one is that. <laughs> You see, this really did happen in New York at the time. Like Lenny Bruce was a real person who got arrested a lot for telling dirty <laughs> jokes. Like this is only like, you know, 20 years before I was born. It's not very long. You know, like my parents were alive during this time. It's not like it was 150 years ago. Um, and also we mentioned it in the first half and I've done no research since. But this is like this is very Jones Ri- Joan Rivers. Like yeah. she was one of the first like <laughs> dirty, well-known comedians, female mm-hmm. comedians. Yeah. She was like the housewife gone wild. And that's very much what Midge yeah. is like. So uh, <clears throat> I forget if it happened in episode one or episode two, but she actually goes back on stage again, like right after being arrested. I think it was episode two because I think she was dressed. I don't think she was in her night clothes. You guys remember that? Yep. The second episode, she goes back and does... More riffing, more improv, just talking about her day. And then she does some crowd work. She makes fun of this lady who's not laughing. She gets arrested again. Yeah. And this time she'll do that. She gets bailed out by Susie, who's there to tell her that she thinks that she has an act and she thinks Midge could be a great comedian and she wants to work on it. And Midge's initial reaction is like, no are you crazy like i have a life i am a housewife i was just up there venting and uh then um towards the midpoint of that episode midge walks by um a restaurant that her and her husband used to eat at um they had they went there after their wedding and and talked about how great it was and uh Midge gets sort of sucked into this whole weird dinner. So we talked about they've been building up to this uh, breakfast dinner and they're going to have the rabbi there and, and Midge's mother's freaking out because what are they going to say? Like this dinner has to happen. It'll be too embarrassing. So first they try to lie and say that they're sick, but then um, Joel's parents still want to have the dinner. So they agree to have it. It's the most awkward dinner ever. Well, what did you guys think of this? He did gloss over the introduction of Joel's father, uh, Moshe. Oh, yeah. uh, Played by Kevin Pollack, which was it was good. I like that scene because he's like a a fabric guy. I don't know what you call it. He works in the uh, garment district. Garment debts. That's the word I was looking for. And, you know, classic sweatshop. 
yeah, he goes to tell him that um, that he's he left Midge and he's just very funny. Like they all both all four parents just shit on Joel. <laughs> just know he yeah. sucks. Yeah. Um. So True. yeah, you but also like Mid- his Kevin Pollock, you know, his dad totally like has the situation correct and joel tries to act like it's no i'm not that like dumb and simple like it's more complicated than that but like immediately joel's dad moish is like what's her name and he's like oh yeah no no it's not about that it just didn't work out and then, like it's it's penny pan she has the most ridiculous name that's one of the things that uh midge riffs on is like my husband left me for someone named penny pan who's worn her shirt inside out three times yeah that was really good um but yeah i mean and then we also get um his dad moving or uh moving her as his secretary so he had somebody else who was like his secretary an older woman (laughs) she's like i remember when you were a little boy yeah (laughs) Yeah, that was funny yeah that's where you find out that he got his uncle to give him a a well-paying job high up and then that that plays out in this dinner that dan's talking about um you know bombs get dropped you find out that uh the dad actually owns the apartment that they live in but yeah remember all that that. stuff we assumed about joel in the first episode that he's kind of a jerk but he's got a great job and at least he's a good provider look at how well they're living turns out he's been blowing all his money he doesn't actually make as much as we thought and his father has been like basically bankrolling their entire lifestyle yep and a very effed up thing. He's basically like, I'm taking the apartment back. So he kicks his daughter-in-law and his grandchildren out of the house. Or he's about to. Yeah. I don't I don't remember if it actually does happen. But, no, because um, in the third episode, we find out, uh, we'll just skip forward a little bit, that Midge's father uh, goes to him, even though they dislike each other, and makes him a deal to basically buy in as a half owner of the apartment and mm. let Midge stay there. That's right, yeah. Ironically, and, even though they dislike each other, both sets of parents have the same goal in mind, which is not to address any of the issues that caused the problem, but just to force them to get back together. Right. They're in basically the like, you have responsibilities. You have, you have that scene where, what's her name, Susie? At the club? Yep. Yeah, yeah, Susie. Yeah, where she goes into Midge's apartment and they're just walking all around, <laughs> and she she's just riffing like this. I can't sit on this furniture. This is the furniture that your dead uncle gives you, and you appraise it and try to sell it. And why is your can- kid's hand sticky? And she's just going on and on and on. It shows the yeah. the class uh, disparity <laughs> within yeah. uh, that community because her Cause we've already like seen one room. You can't even open the door. Her bed folds down from the wall. Exactly, and uh, Midge is like. You need this to move. That big. Yeah. She's like, this apartment's not that nice. But uh, yeah, so basically Midge decides like, I think to me it's about that the stand-up comedy thing is the only thing that's allowing her to like speak her voice. It's not even so much about the comedy. It's about her being able to talk without other people interrupting her, telling her how she should feel. Well, so that having this- and that and the money, she thinks she's losing her house. She thinks she's losing her husband. She does make reference to, do you think this comedy thing is going to work out? Cause she needs the money. So I think it's both. Right. There's a scene that I really love. I think it's actually at the end of episode one, when she's first bailed out by, um, I just forgot his name. The comedian. 
Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce. Yeah, when she's first bailed out by Lenny Bruce, and and she's basically like asking him why he's a stand-up comic, and he gives all these reasons about how horrible it is, how if he could do anything else, he would, and stuff like that. And she's like, "But do you love it?" And he just like smiles and winks and walks out, and, and she's like, "He loves it." And I think that's sort of where she's getting to is like, there's something about this that she feels more passionate about than anything else in her life. And although it's crazy and difficult, she, I think she's just drawn to it like a moth to the flame. Yeah. I mean, I don't, and then we, that's pretty much the end of the second episode, right? Or maybe that's even in the third. For the most part. The third, I think is when she goes on stage um, opening for Lenny Bruce at the Gaslight. Yeah. Well, we also have um, her. I mean, all these plots are intertwined. It's not like it, th- this was hard to give you guys a chunk of episodes because everything is is working through each episode. So we see the right. groundwork way back in episode one of, of Lenny Bruce telling her like, oh, you know, you're going to have to go to court for this and you're going to have to get a lawyer. And then in episode two, we see Susie introduce her to a lawyer who works pro bono for um, like uh, civil rights and uh freedom of speech cases and then in episode three we see the court case which i really enjoyed this uh she basically like the lawyer basically tells her to play the good housewife and say like oh i had a negative reaction it'll never happen again i'm so sorry blah 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 and midge starts out with that path but then like very quickly like sort of backpedals and defends herself and says like like hey uh what was so wrong with what i said like you know I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting reaction. She gets herself thrown in, in contempt of court and the lawyer has to go see Joel. She's like, I need you to give me $200. I need you to never ask me why and just do yeah. it right now. Yeah. I mean, it's just that classic comedy thing of just like, oh, everything seems to be going okay, but then immediately starts burying themselves even further. And then like Jimmy um, referenced the, or Jeff referenced the main plot, of, the main point of this episode in regards to her career is that Lenny Bruce had previously invited her down um, to this jazz club. He's like, hey, I'm introducing a friend's band. You should come check it out. He goes up and does a little set. It's funny. She ends up hanging out, like, smoking weed for the first time, which was hysterical, like, asking, like, how she should inhale and stuff like that. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, then they're like, oh, Lenny, you need to get up there and introduce us again. And she's like, I'll do it. And she goes up there and, again, just, like, off the top of her head, riffs, and it's hysterical and she does like a little mini set and then she forgets to introduce the band she has to go back up yeah that was funny but yeah that's pretty much like the episode so um do we want to do like overall thoughts yeah i mean there's only one other point that i wanted to highlight like jeff referenced uh talking about the sexism that's inherent in this series and stuff and the outdated ideals and there's just one sequence that we didn't talk about which is uh midge and her friend exercising in this very archaic like manner and the conversation that follows like what did you guys think of that i thought it was fine i mean it all it really did was to highlight um you know the thought process of a woman in that time going through a divorce because divorce was stigmatized way more than um it is now like you know I think we all know um, older family members who might have been in a marriage longer than they should have been because they just can't get divorced 
or they don't want the stigma of being divorced. So yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that that scene highlighted that well and it was you know it was comical her friend was talking fast and the camera angles are like you know between their legs and upside down and just it, it was just a a comic scene that and it's also talking about importance. how talking about how like you need to get this settled everyone basically wants her and joel to get back together not for their own happiness but because of what it would do to change their lifestyle. And she's like, you know, if you end up getting divorced, you're going to have to go in the back corner with those divorcees. And they exercise extra hard because they're all looking for a man and all this stuff. Mm. Um, the other thing and the- in, in the third episode is when Susie goes to the Friars Club. I thought this was mm-hmm. an interesting open to a storyline because yeah. when you go there, it's it's all men. The, um, mm-hmm. and she meets with a character actor um, who we've all seen in a lot of things and nobody knows his name. Um, hmm. and, and he's kind of like, he's like, call me later and we'll talk about this. Even, even he's like a woman comic. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, Susie's like, she's really good. I haven't seen anything like her before. And Susie wants to become her manager. That actor right. is David Pamer. Um, he manages a very successful comedian named Sophie Lennon, who that will become, as Jeff said, this is definitely a plot opener. Um, the last big thing in the episode, end of episode three, where the episode gets its title from, because you left, is basically Joel, his life without Midge is not as glamorous as he thought it was going to be. He's not doing stand-up comedy. He's living on his friend's couch. He's got issues with Penny Pan. Uh, his dad and mom are mad at him. So he sort of like hat in hand goes back to Midge and... I really like this scene because this is not him apologizing. This is not him talking about the changes that they can make. This is just him saying like, oh, can I come back? Like, I, I, I'm not happy. I messed up. And Midge, like, this is, this is what the 1960s was. It's like for the first time she felt the confidence to make a choice against the status quo. And she says, no, like, I don't want you to come back. And he says, why? And she says, because you left like in other words the act of him leaving was hurtful to her and he doesn't just get to act like that never happened Mm -hmm. so i thought that was sort of powerful and also like the reason why i wanted to make sure that that happened in an episode that i gave you guys is because that's really the jumping off point for the series well i also think that there's a scene at the right before the dinner when he's like can i see the kids and she's like of course you know that's I think that that shows the character of Midge and her right. strength because a lot of women in that position would be like, no, I'll see you in court or, you know, just no, you know what I mean? But it also shows that he, I don't want to say weak, but other men maybe in that position would take a more like alpha stance. Like I'm going to see the kids, but he's like, can I see the kids? So it shows that Joel does have some sort of respect for her, but he's clearly a piece of shit, but it shows that he's more than just like your Don Draper character. Like I'm going to cheat on you and leave. And then everything goes my way anyway. So I kind of agree with you, but I also want to sort of set you in a different headspace because I did struggle with this a lot too. Jeff's right. The way he phrases that is like, can I stop by and see the kids once in a while? Which it feels like in our cultural mindset, like the bare minimum, like why isn't he asking for more? Why isn't he demanding more? 
But I think if you set this in the time frame where he's not expected to have much of a relationship with his kids, even if he was married and living at home, he wouldn't really be expected to take care of those kids, change diapers, do anything like that. The fact that he's asking is not out of requirement. I think he's asking because he actually does like his kids. And the way he yeah. phrases that feels more like how you would ask to maintain a relationship with a friend or, you know, it's not out of a sense of obligation. It is truly that he wants to see his kids. Final thoughts. We did not talk anything about like sets or costumes or just the time period. I think that they, they nailed it really well. It's, it's a good looking show. It, I know, I know why Dan likes the show. Even if the content of the show was shit, Dan would still watch it because he wants to be a madman <laughs> so bad. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a very good period piece. I think that, you know, they did very well with with everything. It, it's a good looking show. And it really not only in that time period, not only the time period, but also like they really get the classism in New York City at that time. Yeah. If you look at how they're living and dressing and talking in the Upper West Side versus the village and how Joel puts on his like beatnik comic persona by throwing on a black turtleneck love that i love that when their rich upper west side friends decide to like slum it in the village to go see joel like the wife's idea is like her first reaction is "Ooh, i'm gonna put on a beret like i love all that yeah um, she's like this place is so dirty yeah exactly <laughs> don't go to the bathroom uh yeah i couldn't agree more jeff um jim any final thoughts I also like to uh, pick your brain. What did you guys think of the actual comedy that we see in the show? Because, you know, writing stand-up comedy for a sitcom is difficult. Like, how do you convey that someone's funny without it seeming like over the top? How do you compress yeah, compress think, a stand-up act into a few minutes? I think that it's good. And I think that for people like me and Dan who love stand-up comedy and have consumed a lot of it, even really good stand-up comedy is like, you might laugh, but it might not be uproarious. And also being in the audience, like I've seen stand-up comics that aren't good, but when you're there in the room, you're just like, ha ha ha, you know, you still kind of laugh at it. But I think, up. I think for something that wasn't real stand-up, by real stand-up, I mean, it was scripted, it was performed and yeah. pulled off. I think they did a good job. And I think that Rachel Brosnahan um, is good in this role because the things I've seen her in before, like House of Cards was a very serious role and, mm. you know, it very like dreary and dark and and this she was more like poppy and all over the place and she's talking yeah. fast and she has the accent of the time period and i think that she pulled it off and the creators of the show directed and edited it well enough to where it felt like a real stand-up act whether or not i laughed out loud at it it was entertaining and when the joel stuff was happening like you cringed because I've also seen bad stand-up comedy where that yeah. happens. Well, it's good enough. And Jim, I'm not forgetting your overall thoughts. I'm getting that. But I, I do want to say, like, the stand-up is good enough that you can see what Susie sees in her, which is that, like, right. And plus it's, you it's raw, but she... Herself. Right. And also, not only is she revolutionary because she's a woman and she's a housewife and all that, but if you look at her act compared to... Even um, the acts that we see in the show, I keep forgetting his name. Damn it. 
Lenny Bruce, very Lenny famous. Bruce, very yeah, very, very famous. famous but his act is still sort of old fashioned. It's still built on one liners and it impressions. Is, but, but what you have to do is put yourself back in that time when a lot of comedians they had either the same jokes or very similar jokes. Like I heard an interview with uh, Jackie the Joke Man, and yeah. he was saying like when he started. A lot of that is all about delivery and the audience you're delivering it to. This wasn't a stand-up club. This was at just a open mic club. So you went from yeah. somebody doing like really bad, like beatnik poetry and folk to music comedy. And a lot of it back then, you have to forget 60 years of stand-up comedy that was inspired by this or that branched right. out of this and put that's exactly that my river. point is that the fact that she's talking about her own experiences and that she's doing introspective comedy is in and of itself revolutionary right mm, yeah i mean that's basically where i was going to go with it too is that the stand-up comedy on the show is diverse like obviously we see like the um uh bob newhart set that joel obviously stole like that's based off of a bit that's not observational comedy whereas like midge was doing like observational comedy about her own life and introspective um so that's definitely something that i'm more interested in i mean like my overall thoughts i guess would be like the thing that i'm most interested in the show is that i do also love stand-up comedy um I've been watching stand-up since I was a kid. Like, I, I love watching. I think it's such a cool, like, medium. Like, I don't know. I've been I've been listening to WTF for years. Like, I know, like, I love to, like, hear comedians talk about how they think about, like, their sets and, I, like, how they think and, like, yeah. just, like, I, I don't know. Comedy itself, I think, is just very interesting. So, you, you give me a period piece about comedy that's going to be enticing to me. Um, unfortunately, everything else about the show, I find incredibly disinteresting. Really? Um, Her family I, stuff you're not into? The only thing that's like cool to me about it is that they're Jewish. <laughs> that's the only thing that's like different enough to me that I'm just like, oh, that's cool. But like, they're, they're an old rich white family. <laughs> like, I, I'm not like, if you told me that Amazon made a, um, a stand-up comedy show set in the 50s and the woman is the main protagonist, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's this show. Like, there's nothing that's very distinct about it to me. Like, obviously, um, visually, it's very Mad Men, but everything else about it is just like, I, I don't know, there's not really a direction for me that there's nothing that stands out about this other than the fact that it looks like Mad Men to me. Oh, well, so here's my final push, and it's sort of a two-pronged. My final push as far as the comedy is that for stand-up comedy nerds, this show gets so in-depth. It goes into like what it's like to build an act, what it's like to take your act on the road, how different mm -hmm. crowds react, but, how but you build it, a career. To Jimmy's point, does that happen a lot or is it five minutes per hour episode? No, there's like whole episodes that are about her like doing uh, a commercial because she needs to get money right. there's a whole I mean, episode like, about I, I did like that stuff a lot when she was taking notes getting the crowd's reaction figuring out what will work i like that more right. than the the joel left me stuff which i think so, right. is going to be very easily played out if something doesn't happen um meaning it just stops <laughs> so here's the second prong of my final push is the family stuff becomes way more dynamic I, I mean so the thing is you have to understand where she's at and that's what these three episodes do but this is not a 
Joel and Midge should they be together show like that is pretty much resolved at this point uh, I mean there are like moments where Joel comes back into play and stuff like that but all the family stuff gets a lot more diverse so we get subplots about her father and his waning interest in his career like a midlife crisis we get stuff about her mother and is she satisfied after seeing what midge is going through does she wish she made changes in her life when she was younger we get stuff about joel and like maybe joel's not the worst guy maybe he just never took the plunge and just went along the ride of how he thought his right life should be so all these characters branch off into really interesting subplots. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that if you are mildly interested in where this show is going, it behooves you to stick with it because it's going to diversify so much. It becomes so much richer. Every character gets their own storyline and their own depth. And uh, it becomes a lot more three-dimensional than just what you guys are saying, which is like an upper-class white lady who's going through a divorce. Mm. So, yeah, that's my final push. Unless you guys mm. have anything else, I'm going to no, ask you. Yep. Were you talked into the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Three, two, one... Yes. Yes. Oh, Jimmy with the left-right hook punch that he tricked us with. I'm of incredibly, incredibly, incredibly soft yes. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch this again, but um, Dan, you talking about um, more of the stand-up comedy stuff and like how it could be a little bit more important uh, later on in the show. Like, like I said, that's... That's the real big draw of the show to me is like the cultural impact of stand-up comedy, especially in that era. Um, you talking about all the other family stuff uh, dis disinterests me um, incredibly. I have, I'm not interested in stuff, that stuff at all. Like unless it's really going to be like played up into her act or something later on, which I'm sure it will because that's oh, yeah. what everything was played into. I mean, one thing um, that I forgot to mention is that. <clears throat> Up to this point, her parents don't know that she has any interest in stand-up right. comedy at all. And that becomes do a huge plot that, point. Do they even know that Joel was doing it? They just were babysitting the kids because they thought they were going out for like dinner or something, right? No, they knew he was doing stand-up comedy, but oh, okay. they they were hearing it from Midge. So they thought it was just like a fun couples thing that they did. And they have no idea what she's doing when she leaves the house. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm also a soft yes. I like the show when I was watching it. I don't have much negative stuff to say about it. Um, I don't think it was slow. I think it was paced well. I like the comedy stuff. I do like the the family dynamics. It seemed like a lot of different types of shows all rolled into one. Uh, none of it was mm -hmm. mind-blowing to me, which, you know, it, that's why I'm not like a, an enthusiastic yes. I'm just like, mm -hmm. that was a good show. I watched that. Um, I probably won't continue watching it just because um of of life and i don't have much time most of my free time goes to talk me into stuff and i don't have amazon prime so it was just annoying to watch this so uh yeah i mean it was fine there's nothing negative i really have to say about it um but yeah it, it was good dan i was actually shot i thought i was going to not like it as much as i did well, I'm sad that I mean, I'm happy that you guys enjoyed it overall. I'm sad that neither of you guys think you're going to continue it because I think 
really like if you got a few more episodes under your belt i mean i could have given you guys all of season one and you would have been I like yes i would have not done it i was actually telling well you, that's after exactly after I watched the problem the th- after I watched the three episodes, I was like, Dan could have given us one episode and I would have had the exact same thing to say about it. Like, it's fine that you gave us three, but I got what I needed to get out of it after one episode. So giving us five episodes, I would have had the exact same thing to say, except I would have had more free time in my life. No, I mean, episode (laughs) one ends with Midge just like flailing and like upset. Episode three ends with her like, comfortably taking a stand that she's going to be the captain of her own but life without Joel. Knowing that the show was going on for four seasons and knowing what it's about. Obviously I knew that after the first episode, she wasn't going to give up stand-up comedy and that she was going to give it another try. So <laughs> yeah, so as far as based, the stand-up stuff, I agree context, with you. Yes. What I'm saying was that you gave us three episodes. That's fine. That's a good, even number. But I, if I watched this till the end of season one, I don't think I'd be more enthusiastic about it. I would be th- to me. This was like I like Mad Men. We did an episode on Mad Men a couple of years ago. At this point, go listen to it if you want to hear us talk about Mad Men. Um, My favorite show of all time. It's a really good show. It's really dense. Really like blah. I binged a lot of that, and for me at the time, it was it's difficult to binge that show because there's so much going on. It is very slow. There's not a lot of things that like you're like yeah yeah more 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 right now right now. While it's a great show. This to me was like Mad Men light where it's more easily consumable. It's in that same period. It has. Well, it's more of a sitcom. It it is. It is more like it's kind of like Mad Men and that girl had a baby. That's Ms. Maisel. Um, Yeah, no, it, it is good. It's it's a good show. It gets a lot of awards as it should. It gets a lot of critical acclaim as it should. And I'm a yes. So stop arguing me. Keep watching, please, God. In your off time, in your spare Dude, time, watching episodes. There's episode, so Jim. much stuff on Talk Me Into that I'm a yes that I enjoy. Like Heim, I was talked into it. Really love that playlist. Haven't listened to one Heim song since we recorded that like a year and a half ago. Is there a you reason goofed. for it? Nope, no reason. But it's just not something that I ever think about. And that's the same for Miss Maisel. Like it was good. Me and Jimmy are going to see Heim. That's, yeah, we are. That's good. I'm glad. <laughs> but then, I mean, talk me into work. Talk me into that. It does work. There's stuff that I'm very into. I went to go see David Byrne. You know, I was talked into talking heads. So, yeah, that's great. Uh, Dan, next yeah. week. Why don't you take next this? week? We're kicking off a whole new chapter of talk me into. Wow. And we're very excited to announce this. We, we previewed it a little bit at the end of our previous episode, but uh, we are starting. What would you call it, Jeff? You, you, you focused on the month. I don't know if we'll always do a month long, but. I like to call them mini series where we're devoting multiple episodes to a single overarching topic theme franchise. Uh, We've gotten a few uh, comments from listeners in the past that maybe they would like to hear us devote a little bit more time to one genre or one topic. mm. So so we're testing that out. We're not saying this is how it's always going to work, but we got a few planned. And the first of them is our appreciation of comedian, musician, actor, Donald Glover. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to start tackling uh, the works of Donald Glover in all his respective mediums. Um, What's the first one we're doing, Jeff? Weirdo. We're doing Donald Glover's stand-up special, Weirdo, which is streaming on Netflix. 
after a yeah. stand-up comedian episode. What's oh, going yeah. on? Nice transition. This is this will be episode 158, not including you know all of like the the side episodes we've done. Just 158. Talk me in two propers. This is the first stand-up special that we're ever reviewing. I know that's weird. No shit. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be a little different for us because I don't think any of us have seen this stand-up special, correct? I might have seen it when uh, it came out, but I retain so. 0% of it. So we're leaving the traditional format. Uh, we're not talking each other into it. We're sort of all being talked into it. And uh, the person talking us into it is Donald Glover. Just kidding. It's he, God. He's not oh, going to be Donald on the Glover, podcast, yeah. but we're just using his reputation and the fact that we like other things of his to check it out. Yeah, we've done this before. Like when I did One Punch Man, none of us had seen it. So, yeah, there's there's nobody's talking anybody into it. We're all going to see if we like it. Yeah. And uh, so check out Weirdo by Donald Glover and uh, strap in for a month of Donald Glover stuff. <laughs> yeah, this is a weird one. <laughs> this is a weird topic to do for our first mini series, but yeah. I like it. It, it is fun. very weird. Dan picked it, but it's cool because yeah. after this, the next four episodes are just going to be about Solo. About oh, Solo? Yeah. The movie. Oh, I'm and, like, and, what? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, landed as great as Donald Glover's <laughs> weirdo impressions did on me. <laughs> I'm I'm excited. Uh, this came to mind because I love Donald Glover's series Atlanta. It's coming back. And I started to think I like a lot of what Donald Glover has done and I'd like to be exposed to more of it. So here we are. Well, it is funny, funny you say that I because you, <laughs> you, you aren't really exposed to that many things that are on this month when playlist. Puts us together, Atlanta has been on our list for about three years, right? So we've just been kind of waiting for the right time to do it. And Dan put together this list. I was like, Dan likes Donald Glover. And last week we were talking about it. Dan hasn't seen Donald Glover Weirdo. He doesn't know Childish Gambino. He's never seen Community. I don't know what Guava Island is. We're going to do Atlanta. And Dan is very unfamiliar with Donald Glover. He put also So that's Spider-Man not entirely that. accurate. <laughs> I, I have listened to a good amount of Childish Gambino. Not enough to maybe sculpt a playlist, which is right. why I said we needed help with it. But yeah, primarily Childish Gambino and Atlanta are my influences. I've seen him in other things, movies and stuff, and enjoyed his presence. So I want to yeah. learn more. We'll, we'll talk about it more next week. Um, Hell yeah. We should just reach out to him and be like, would you help us? And he would never respond. <laughs> he might. He seems like a in nice guy. In the meantime, Dan, yeah. where can people find this podcast on the internet? Oh, boy. I mean, the best place, if you're really into it and you want to tell us what our next mini series should be, is Patreon. We always listen to our patrons first because they give us money. So patreon.com slash talk me into mini series planned out. So we will not yeah. listen to you. We will, though. We can make changes if there's yeah, an outcrying from our patrons. If everyone demands a Lord of the Rings miniseries, then that will happen. Uh, so patreon.com slash talk me into for exclusive episodes, early premieres, everything good. Uh, follow us on socials at talk me into on Twitter at talk me into pod on Instagram and at talk me into on TikTok. Uh, email us at talk me into at gmail.com follow us on oh i already did the socials what else am i forgetting anything soda discussions we do a weekly series where jeff and i taste soda and jimmy edits funny things in there very antagonistically i i believe that jimmy is actively <laughs> acting against us in so discussions yes. and, and that's I exactly love that. what i told you when i started editing it. yeah i, I said love I'm, I'm actively going against you keep doing so uh 
We're on YouTube. Search for Soda Discussions. Uh, we got a bunch of episodes. It's really fun. Jimmy, where can people find you? You can find me at youtube.com slash son of a fitch, S O N N A V A F I T C H. Jeff, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at J E F F F F F 27. That's Jeff with five F's and number 27. I don't tweet a lot, but when I do, you bet your butt it's probably about Doctor Who. <laughs> Dan, where can people find you personally? You could find me on Twitter uh, tweeting about not Doctor Who at Danny underscore breakdown and find my band wherever you like to listen to punk and hardcore music disqualifier. Thank you for listening to talk me into what will we talk you into next? Hopefully Donald Glover five times, (laughs) five times. The glove fits like a glove. I don't like that. That's our new slogan. (laughs) Talk me into fits like a glove. Segway. Cool. (laughs) Segway. All right, Dan, let's do this. Hold on one second. So it's wait, it's fabulous. Miss Maisel or marvelous. 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 Did you say marvelous or did you say fabulous? Is it the or just marvelous? I mean, this is not that hard, Jeff. It's the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> it's Miss Maisel. Nope. Yeah. It's Mrs. Is oh, is it? it? I, I thought, thought it was it's Mrs. Mrs. She's married. Wow. Oh. I, I was going to correct you and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. I'm looking Ms. at the official logo and it's clearly MRS period. I believe you. I just heard it as Miss before. Same. Well, they're dumb. Maybe just looking for one thing real quick. It's the Bernstein Bernstein Bears thing. Yeah. What's that effect called? The Mandela, Mandela effect. effect. The Nelson. I call it the Nelson. The full Nelson. Seth Nelson. That boy. <laughs> Oh shit, that boy. None of you guys have that with Nelson Mandela, do you? No, because no. I'm not a, a f- idiot on the internet. I, I have been guilty of uh, the Berenstein Bears thing, though. Yeah. It's just a classic, classic misremembering. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing special going on there. <clears throat> okay, you guys ready? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I just thought of? What's that? If solipsism is real and I'm the only person on earth, this podcast is a tremendous a waste, waste of time. time. <laughs> because not only are we not convincing an audience, but I'm not even convincing you guys. So I'm literally just forcing myself to watch a bunch of shit. <laughs> and it's all orchestrated by you. Yeah. That's cool. I'm... I am. Oh, shit. <laughs> Hold on a second. Uh-oh. I need to know what happened. It's something with the hanky, probably. No, Yo. I just moved my chair and accidentally smashed into my radiator that has, like, all kinds of stuff piled, and they all fell over. <laughs> Let's make it clap. Dan is the burp master. He burps so frequently. I like, do, too. Like, watching so discussions, it's just like, bleh, bleh, bleh. Yeah. Bleh, <laughs> bleh. We're drinking so uh, Burp, bleh. I just burped. Yep. Yeah. He sure did.
All right, who wants to start this? Me or... Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. All right, Me? I'll start it, I guess. Oh, Jim? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, oh, my God. Are we done? Stop. <laughs> I'm done. Wild. Dan does everything people hate about podcasts, burping and eating. <laughs> That's my genre. Burping and eating. So... That's pretty much the end of the first episode, and I have to take a break to go pee. <laughs> okay. Cool. Let's mark it. <laughs>